Level the Pursuit is a podcast for people ready to make the most of every opportunity. In the race to success, we're not all starting from the same place. Level the Pursuit seeks to fill in the gaps and provide accessible, bite-sized leadership lessons for anyone looking to improve their skills and prepare for the next step, whatever that might be. Last week, we talked about techniques for acing your next interview. There are a lot of little ways you can make a good impression and increase your chances of getting that great new job. Did you take some time to think about where you are in your process? If your current job isn't creating opportunities to move forward or stability while you prepare, you should consider whether it's still the best fit. If it is, great. Let's keep moving towards your goals. I didn't get a chance last week, but I was able to put some links on the website for resumes, CVs, and cover letters. They're not all inclusive, but they'll give you some ideas. Head over to www.levelthepursuit.com if you need help with getting your resume in tip-top shape. Today we're going to talk about creating your leadership philosophy. A leadership philosophy is a short overview of your beliefs and your principles in the context of your goals for yourself or your organization. That sounds like a lot, but really it's not. It's creating a single statement about who you are and what you want to accomplish. This is not your leadership style. A leadership style is how you lead, the techniques around how you make decisions and how you like to communicate with your team. We'll definitely talk about styles at some point, but today we're going to talk about putting together your ideas about what it means to you to lead. Over the next week, develop your own leadership philosophy. Whether it's focused on where you are today or where you want to be, think about your values and how you want to use them to lead others. Then write it down and polish it till in just a couple of breaths, you can tell a prospective employer exactly who you are. leadership philosophy is to give the person you're talking to a quick but complete understanding of what's important to you as a leader, what your goals are, key factors in how you lead, and why they're effective. You want to inspire confidence, sell your accomplishments, and open the door for more discussion on what you can bring to the team. And all of this should be done in two or three minutes, so you really have to think about every word. So what goes into the philosophy? Well, you start by introducing yourself, your current position, any personal factors that are relevant to the job. Then you'll share your core values. What are your core values? Some examples are authenticity, boldness, family, creativity, compassion, freedom, integrity, justice, optimism, loyalty, stability. Really, it's anything that's important to you. If you're not sure and none of those examples resonate with you, do an internet search. There are literally hundreds to choose from. But you need to choose two to four that really mean something to you. Once you decide, think about the rest of your philosophy in terms of these values. Your philosophy should be aligned with what you say is important to you. Next, you need to describe an overarching goal. This may be personal or in terms of your organization, but it should explain what you want to accomplish and why that's important to the organization, even if it's focused on your own progress. For example, if you want to be your company's most productive salesperson, your goal should be to inspire personal and team effort to drive your department sales to a company high while striving to beat your own productivity goals. Goals for your own performance are awesome. But if you can sincerely put them in the context of your group's success, they'll be a little more effective in inspiring buy-in, especially for your boss. If it's not sincere, though, don't make it up. People can tell if you're only concerned about your own success, and the only thing that bugs them more than someone who only cares about themselves is someone who pretends that they care about other people. Next, you'll include your leadership competencies. Usually you'll have two or three with an example of how you did them well. These are skills that are often related to your leadership style. So things you're good at are usually components of your style. 
If you're a collaborative leader, you're probably good at making people feel valued, resolving conflicts, and coordinating different skill sets. If you're an authoritarian leader, you're probably good at meeting deadlines, staying under budget, and keeping people focused on the task at hand. If you're a transformational leader, your skills may include creating buy-in, maintaining a strategic perspective, and instituting large-scale organizational change. Now, if you're a new leader, you may have no idea what I'm talking about, and that is totally fine. You can still get a lot of use out of making a leadership philosophy. Focus on what you do now. Are you great at talking to customers? Then you're good at client engagement and maybe inspiring loyalty. Are you a hard worker who always gets the job done? Then your competencies include meeting deadlines and problem solving. Are you the person in the office that everyone goes to with their problems? You're probably great at conflict resolution and fostering inclusion. Think of some successes you've had at work recently, getting a project done, solving a problem, or even recovering from a setback. If you are involved in a win, you use your skills to help out. Once you've come up with a few competencies, pick a simple example of how you use the skill. It doesn't have to be involved or even groundbreaking. A lot of the leadership skills we use each day aren't saving the world or building pyramids. They're just keeping people happy and getting the job done. So don't feel like your examples have to be over the top. But if you say you can do something, any prospective employer's response is going to be, prove it. So you want to have an example of how you rock that skill. Next, you want to include a bigger project where all your skills came together. Now, you don't have to lead that project, but you want to be able to demonstrate how something that was a little bit bigger scale, you were part of it and you had to use multiple skills to, to make it happen. So you want to think about something like that. Then you want a short closing. You're not going to recap the whole thing, but you do want to tie it all together to show how it relates. A general form is along the lines of, so as you can see, my core values enhance my leadership competencies to accomplish my overarching goal. Makes sense. Now, the examples you use and even the competencies that you choose to highlight may vary based on your audience. Obviously, you want to use examples that make sense to the person you're talking to and competencies that people in your industry will value. My philosophy for a physician leadership course that I took was this. Good morning. I'm Mary Carniff, commander of a squadron. My leadership philosophy is based on my core values of teamwork, integrity, and excellence. My overarching goal is to help the Air Force leadership shape military medicine to provide integrated operational medical care to our warfighters and their families. The leadership style I employ is collaborative mentorship, which is based on coaching my subordinates in the way that they best learn. I'm focused on bringing out their best, but as much as possible on their terms. Three key competencies that I employ are conflict management, strategic perspective, and motivating others. For conflict management, an accomplishment that I had recently was the management of two of my direct reports who had opposite leadership challenges, but were both causing disruption in their flights. One was too hands-off and his subordinates felt unsupported. The other micromanaged his staff such that they felt disrespected and undervalued. I worked with both of them to rework their styles, and both have since improved their operations and received awards for the teamwork that their staff exhibits. The next competency is strategic perspective, and an accomplishment is working with our fitness staff to create a base fitness program. We balance the health, dietary, and exercise components of fitness to create an integrated program for our base. This program decreases work for the units while providing high-quality fitness guidance for our airmen. In the first four weeks, all of the participants improved their push-ups and setups, and 40% lost an inch or more off their waist measurement. The final competency is motivating others, and a recent accomplishment involved one of my physicians who did great clinical work but refused to perform administrative duties. 
By celebrating his strengths and gently redirecting his energy to completing those other tasks, he has become more dedicated to completing this work. He's done such a great job, the programs he directs were recently found to have zero errors on inspection. A recent project which demonstrates my capabilities as a leader is our successful launch of a mobile health and wellness center. While these services have been available to our population, we've had difficulty getting the flight and operational community to embrace healthcare education. To address this, we developed a mobile clinic which goes into the work sections for several days and provides no pressure teaching on several aspects of healthy living. I leveraged my relationships with other commanders and highlighted the benefits to their personnel. In the first six months, my team worked in five different squadrons, had patient contact with 3,700 active duty members, and enrolled 24 members in our smoking cessation program. It's had 100% positive feedback. We have several new squadrons on the schedule, and some of the incumbent units have already scheduled their one-year follow-up visits. As you can see, I'm able to implement my leadership philosophy and core competencies to successfully complete projects at many different levels. These skills demonstrate my ability to meet the current and future challenges facing American military healthcare. So, although my priorities haven't changed, this philosophy is really focused on leadership positions. And I talk about a lot of projects. Clearly, I didn't do all the work in all these projects. I had lots of great airmen doing lots of great things for me. But as a leader, I have to be able to talk about how all that fits together. If I was looking to get a job as a surgeon or to be a healthcare consultant, I might use some of the same competencies and maybe even some of the same examples, but my goal would change and how I describe the examples would be in the context of that new goal and the dream job that I was trying to get. Often, they don't have to be big changes. You just need to set your goal and then go through the rest of the philosophy, thinking about how each part contributes to how you're going to move toward those aims. So in general, this version is your go-to when you're speaking to someone in the context of getting a job. This is your answer when you sit down and the interviewer says, tell me a little about yourself. This is your best chance to let them see you are awesome and help them understand what kind of leader you are. But it's long for any other casual meeting, obviously, so it's great to be able to have a shorter version available. This is a 30-second version you can use for job fairs or when you meet people who might be in your industry and you want to create a connection without being annoying. So taking the short version and smoothing it out, for my example might be, my name is Mary Carndiff and my goal is to expand integrated operational medicine for Air Force personnel through teamwork and collaborative mentorship. Now that was kind of a strategic level statement and it really inspires more questions than answers, but that's not necessarily bad depending on what I'm applying for or who I'm talking to. If I wanted to get more tactical to engage with someone who could actually hire me, I might say, my name is Mary Carniff, and I like to use my experience in creating unit-level cross-functional teams to contribute to programs focused on optimizing the effectiveness of medics embedded in Air Force squadrons. Well, that one has the same goal, but here I describe a skill and how I want to use it. So once you come up with your philosophy, both the long version and the short, read them to a few people and ask them. Can they tell what your goal is? Do they understand why you think you can achieve it? If not, keep working on it. Another way to do this is a little more general, but can still be very effective, and it uses the same basic components we described. You start with your beliefs, then your attitude toward your subordinates and what drives your actions, and then you finish with how you demonstrate those principles. For my example above, it would be, I believe that teams perform best when people can learn in their own way. I lead my team through a focus on mentorship and conflict resolution. I employ strategic visions to direct our efforts and create partnerships so that we can be more effective. I lead with integrity, collaboration, and excellence. Again, same information, a little more generic, and lacking the examples to prove your point. 
If you like this one, that's great, but just make sure you still have those examples to back your assertions up if someone asks. Now say you're in school and you don't have a ton of work experience yet. It's the same general format, but you'll include your course of study and your skills. Then you add your goals and why you think you would be a good fit for the organization. An example for someone who's coming out of college might be, my name is Mary and I'll graduate in the spring with a bachelor's in political science. I have a strong interest in international relations and I speak French and Portuguese. I'm interested in joining your European division. Your outreach programs are accomplishing great things and my interests, talents, and desire to contribute to underserved communities would be an asset to your team. Sounds good, right? You know exactly what you want and you tell them. Now, all of this might be brand new to you. If you need some time to work through your values and competencies, that's fine. Practice this technique by developing a couple of elevator speeches. Like a philosophy, this is a concise argument that you've developed to prove your point when you get a chance to share. It's called an elevator speech because it should be short enough to pitch to someone you see on an elevator, so we're talking less than a minute. Now, if you say elevator speech to a lot of people, they will actually describe a leadership philosophy, but the term can really apply to any short persuasive speech. The perfect elevator speech is an argument. You give a thesis statement which tells your opinion, you give a couple of examples why you're right, you give a common counter argument and explain why it's false or a solution, and then you wrap it up. In the context of leadership, it would be explaining why you're a good fit for the organization, but it applies to any idea. Why would you do this? Well, anything you feel strongly about at work or at home might be worth spending some time thinking about. Say your office is planning on closing the parking garage and making everyone use a pay-per-day lot down the street. You're not happy about it. You might come up with an elevator speech so that whenever it comes up in conversation, you could be consistent in your argument. As a leader, this is really useful because it's a mini lesson that you teach to the people around you. Once they've heard it a few times, if it was persuasive, you'll hear your colleagues backing you up with many of the phrases that you used. So then at the next staff meeting, when your boss says, does anyone have anything to add about the garage closure? You can stand up and say, the garage closure is not a good idea for our company. The lot has fewer spots, so more people will be late trying to find parking. We have people who require disabled spots and they will be more than a block from the building, and it will be potentially unsafe for people working late who have to work down the street alone. I realize we'll save a lot of money by making employees use the lot, but why not charge the employees what we would have to pay for our spots in that lot? That would lessen the cost of the company for the garage and keep people safe with close, covered parking. If you've been sharing this speech here and there, your boss will see people nodding and backing you up. Now, all of these examples might be swirling around in your head, but if you don't stop and spend some time thinking about it, you're probably not going to present them in a clear and concise way. So even if you're right, people might get lost in your argument or get bored and stop listening. But how do you practice if you don't have any burning issues at work? Well, think of any controversy and pick a side. Who's the best basketball player of all time? If you said anything other than Michael Jordan, you are wrong. Why? Jordan has a 6-0 NBA Finals record, including being the Finals MVP every single time. He's a five-time league MVP, nine-time All-Defensive player, and he's still the league's scoring average leader. You might say, what about LeBron? He's more efficient and in many ways a more complete player. Okay, that's true, but Jordan is still the greatest because he won more rings, so ultimately efficiency isn't an issue because they won, and much of the amazing thing that we've seen out of Kobe, LeBron, and all these standout players were inspired by Jordan's performance, a dominant presence that still spurs one of the most popular labels in sports apparel history. Do you disagree? What about other controversies? Is barbecue beef or pork? And is the sauce mustard, tomato, or vinegar based? 
Is the left lane for driving or just for passing? What's a better companion, dogs or cats? See, it doesn't matter, but you can spend a little time putting your thoughts in order for 30 to 60 seconds of power-packed persuasion. Practice this, and then when it's time to apply it to your leadership philosophy, you'll be good to go. So what are some common mistakes? Well, first, it can't be too long. Talking for five to 10 minutes totally defeats the purpose of a brief statement. Again, for an actual interview, it can be two to three minutes. But for more casual encounters, it shouldn't be longer than 30 to 60 seconds. So that means every word has to count. You have to actually write it out or rehearse it. If you try to wing it, people almost always go too long. Next, organize your thoughts to make sure you're including all of the relevant information. I've given you several different formats, and I'll include a couple more on the website, but you have to choose what fits your position, your experience, and the skills you want to highlight. If you're not sure, try it a couple of different ways, and then tell them to someone you trust to be honest with you. Ask them what they felt was the main idea of your philosophy. Very often, it makes a ton of sense to you, but someone else draws another conclusion completely. Now, you might want to just blow off this person because they're just your partner or brother or friend, but remember, what you get from it doesn't matter. It's what your audience thinks, so you need to take it to heart. Finally, keep it positive about the organization, your current situation, even about your own skills. This isn't the time to vent about your current job, even if it's terrible and that's the whole reason that you want a new situation. Also, it's not the time to share any troubles you've had or to second guess your skills. It might feel like bragging, and certainly if you heard mine, it sounds like I was tooting my own horn all day long, but as long as it's true and related to your goals, that's the point. It's totally appropriate. This is a highlight reel, not an expose. So tell them why you're awesome and why they want to hire you. This week, create your own leadership philosophy. Spend some time thinking about your core values. What drives you and sets your moral compass? You figured out your goals, so use something you came up with as your overarching goal. Think about the things you do well, and then put them together in a couple of leadership skills or competencies to describe what you bring to the team. Take some time with that, then put it all together and refine it until it's concise, polished, and ready to impress. If you need help, there are some links and templates at www.levelthepursuit.com, so head over for some references to keep you on track. That's been our discussion of creating a leadership philosophy on Level the Pursuit. Thanks for joining, and I look forward to your comments. If you're excited to create your own philosophy, please give it a like or subscribe. If you're not, please comment with what I could do better. Next time, we're going to talk about mindfulness and how it can improve your focus and your leadership skills. While the practice is becoming more popular, the idea of meditation, yoga, or other forms of mindfulness can be a little strange to people who aren't familiar with the benefits. We'll talk about why you should consider adding some mindful moments to your daily routine. Don't forget to write out your leadership philosophy. If you're not there yet, practice on an elevator speech and convince me why LeBron's the best. Casey Barbecue is King, or any other controversy where you're convinced you've got the right idea, then head over to www.levelthepursuit.com to share your insights and your successes. I can't wait to learn from your thoughts. Thanks again for joining Level the Pursuit. While we can't choose where we start, we can choose our dreams and how we pursue them. Remember, success is a team sport, and there's room for all of us to achieve our goals. So be a good leader, be a good follower, and do something great.